Today's scripture reading comes from the book of James, chapters 1, verses 2 to 4. If you're using the Pew Bible, it comes from page 1011. Again, it's from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The second portion of the scripture reading comes from John chapter 15, 9 through 11. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 902. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. I'm never quite sure who's going to be here on Labor Day weekend. Um, thanks for coming to church. <laughs> and uh, some of you know that we have AC, so um, you know you guys are like, oh, good, they're, they're, we're not going to suffer too much there. Um, this would be a good weekend to have gone out of town, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, I'm a San Jose native, so I grew up here. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this. I literally cannot remember one day in all my life when the temperature hit 108 here. <laughs> and we hadn't had one, but we had two of those days. And uh, wow, um, m- my family and I, uh, we, we yesterday, we escaped our own house because we didn't want to run the AC. That our, our AC tends to like shut off if you run it for more than a couple hours, two or three hours, something like that. Apparently, it's not good enough for a house our size, which isn't even that big of a house. Um, so we escaped yesterday to uh, Panera and spent the afternoon there. Okay, so those are the things you do. Um, but today it was a nice, pleasant here in church, and uh, you know we're gonna get into this word and, and we're gonna com- complete our series um, on lies of our times. Um, in some ways, uh, I've, I've been thinking about this series. It's 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 not long, but um, it's kind of a punchy series. Um, and this, today, the lie that I, I want to talk about is um, a lie. I mean, people don't actually say this. People don't actually say this out loud, but it, it's an attitude that is powerfully in our hearts, in, in our society. And, and that lie is, I have a right to be happy. I have a right to be happy. That's the, and, and what we mean by that, I think, is something like this. Um, if... I break my promise to you or I don't do what you expected me to do because I made an obligation to you, but I'm going to go do this other thing because you know, you got to know that my happiness is going to be there. Then you should just understand. You should understand. We have this, um, this sense that, uh, you know, we can break our promises and our obligations. So, and if you haven't noticed, um, our, our, the series has had, uh, it's each, each lie has kind of been built in, building upon the other. The first one is, I belong to myself. You know, I own myself. My life is, you know, I get to control and own my own life. That was the first week. Second week, was, we talked about relativism. Um, I, I wasn't clever enough to come up with this um, lie, but uh, the, 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 the lie in relativism is, I have my own truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, and like as I told you last week, that's another way of saying 
Um, I have my own lies, and you have your own lies. <laughs> and nobody knows the truth. That's, 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 the, that's the really the best way of putting it. I believe my lies. You believe your lies. Except we just change the word from lies to truth. I mean, you can see how strange it is. Right? That's relativism. Um, and last week, I talked about, because um, I have my own truth, and I, you know, my life belongs to me, I have rights. I have rights. Don't you know I have rights? We all have rights. These are my rights. But then the, the, the next phrase we don't actually say out loud. I have rights, but not much in the way of obligations or duties. Huh. Not much in the way of obligations or duties. And actually, um, this last message is to let you know, actually, um, this is strange, and, and this is very alien to our culture, but um, your happiness lies not in your rights. Actually, lies in your obligations and duties. Isn't that strange? Hmm. It's a completely backwards from the way we tend to think. Your real joy and happiness is not in your rights. It's actually going to be found, you know, somewhere toward the end of the journey of obligations and duty. Wow, that's wild. Okay, but um, let's get into this thing. I have a right to be happy. And let's get into this in three parts, as I usually do. Part one, the disappointing happiness of the world. The disappointing happiness of the world. Part two is prevailing joy abiding in Jesus. Prevailing joy abiding in Jesus Christ. And part three, infinite joy from an infinite God. At the end of the day, um, it isn't a problem that we all seek jo joy, that, which is actually the, the deeper Christian word. The, the Bible doesn't use the word happy. <laughs> the Bible uses a better word. Um, it is joy. And happiness, in, in some sense, is a subset of joy. It's a lesser thing than joy, by the way. Um, the reason that our, our society doesn't use the word joy is because they don't believe that there is such a thing as happiness that can, is completely fulfills you and lasts forever. That's joy. That's what joy is, right? It's, it's a happiness that completely fulfills you and lasts forever. And so there's no problem in our society that we pursue happiness. It's right, it's right in some of our, our, our most, um, you, know, you know, our American documents. <laughs> the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's, I mean, America is built on that. And th that's not wrong. It's not bad. Um, it's, in fact, all those things are good. It's that when we believe that we have a right to happiness um, fully based upon, I belong to myself, I have my own truths, I have rights, but no obligations, and of course, it's all upon me and, we, and God, I don't know if God matters. God, maybe, we can sprinkle him in there, um, but he's largely irrelevant. Now, so let's get to this first part, disappointing happiness of the world. Um, let's go to our text um, the James text. So this is James. And, um, you know, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of passages I, I could have chose. I, 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 you know, is, I don't feel like I had to explicate one particular passage, but I, I thought I'd just go to this passage um, because this is a good, fast way to show you how unbelievably different the Bible looks at this question of happiness um, than the way we do, right? Than the way our culture tends to look at it. So here, here we go. James chapter 1, right at the beginning. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with James, James is, um, James is not the disciple, the one of the 12. James, this is James, the brother of Jesus. 
Um, and at one point, James did not believe that his own brother, his older brother, so he's actually the half-brother, if you actually think about this, of, of, uh, of the Messiah. And, I mean, you know, would you believe your own brother is the Messiah? I, I would not believe my brother is the Messiah, <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, but, but then again, your brother's holy, and you knew he was holy ever since you were really little. I mean, you should have a clue. I mean, he's, he's, the, only, he's the only brother. You, you got other brothers, but the one, you got one brother who's holier than the other ones, okay? So, but... Um, but later on, after the resurrection, James became one of the apostles. And so it's a book of wisdom, especially. And um, here's how it says, Count it all joy, my brothers. And here's the part that's astounding. When you meet trials of various kinds. Can, can anybody say that in our society? <laughs> I mean, when was the last time somebody who had some smart PhD, you know, a TED Talk, I don't know, there probably is a TED Talk that actually says this because usually there's a lot of secular smart people and they find real wisdom and usually they end up saying something that agrees with the Bible. A lot of times they do, which is really interesting. Um, they, they, of course, not the, the Jesus part, but the wisdom portions. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, here we go, produces steadfastness. That's a very important that is a very, very important component to real happiness, steadfastness, right? And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, one of the really important things, so I know it didn't say the word happiness in there, but it says the word joy, right? And you should take joy, I mean, you can't, if, I can't imagine that you can have a life that's perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, and not be happy, <laughs> right? And the deepest happiness is going to be when your life is, all of us in one sense or another, is seeking a life where you're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. <laughs> but it's just that most of us tend to think that it's going to be found when we're lacking in nothing in some, you know, in, you know we think of all the important areas of our life. Um, in our society, in our times, in our culture, I, I, I try to boil it down to, into three, three kind of like three things. We generally want these three things. And I think that if we are perfect and complete, lacking in nothing in these three things, then we'll be happy and we have the right to, you know, to have these things. Um, the, the, the first one is we have to have success and achievement, right? So usually, you know, work is a huge thing in our society. I mean, nobody thinks that the person... Who, I mean, you could be a billionaire, but you don't do any work, and you just sit around and let, you know, you, you, you have maids and servants and, you know, people clean your toes or something like this, that that person is, uh, is lacking in nothing. We think you're, you're lacking, man. You have a billion dollars, but you're seriously lacking. You should still be out there doing something with your billion dollars. Um, so success or achievement, that's one. But not just success or achievement, big, huge success. I mean... We, we, we have a very worldly conception of perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Um, a second one is, along with this, you should have, of course, riches and, and comfort, right? Riches, comfort. Um, some of us don't use the word uh, riches, and some of us don't go around saying, I just want to be super comfortable. What we really, what we use the word is we, we want to feel secure. That's the same thing, by the way, okay? That's just a respectable middle class way of saying, I want to feel secure, but the more, the more you keep asking people, what does security mean to you? Usually, it's, it's interesting that the number that re, that of money that it requires to feel secure, especially here in this city, 
is a pretty big number, isn't it? It's a very big number. I don't, I don't know what that number is for you, but it's a big number. <laughs> All right. Um, um, that's like for first bucket, so success and achievement. Second bucket, uh, riches, comfort, security. How about the third bucket? And this one's a big one, finding the love of your life. Have you guys ever watched movies um, where somebody's married and the, the, the wife or the husband is, um, is seen as, usually in the movie they portray the wife or husband as kind of a little bit of a bad person so that they can help you justify when the person meets the love of their life and then has an affair, essentially commits adultery, and then leaves their bad husband or wife and then, and then goes off and finds the love of their life, right? In our culture, that's celebrated. That's celebrated. In the Bible, that's sin. That's considered wickedness. Um, because actually, you're supposed to love the person that's imperfect. You know why? Because you're imperfect. You're more than imperfect. You're wicked. You and I, that's, that's what real love has to be on the other side to find real happiness. We have to find real love. But to real find real love, we have to find and we have to conquer imperfection. But imperfection in this culture is more than just a little problem, like a, a foible. The person doesn't put away their socks. We know it's deeply something. There's something broken and lacking in that person that doesn't meet the broken and lacking in you. Um, I'll tell you a, a, a really terrible story. Um, I know I haven't met this person um, in person, but I, I have good pastor friends who know this person, is friends with this person. Um, there's a pastor, I won't say his name or anything because it's, it's a sensitive story. There's a pastor, um, highly respected in his circles, deeply knowledgeable, fantastic leader. Came to the Bay Area, planted a church to do a lot of the stuff that we believe in, in our church, gospel-centered. <laughs> so his theology was very good. And crossing cultures, multi-ethnic, even very ambitious, crossed right into socioeconomic. And guess what? His church was having success. They were reaching poor people. There were people of different race and ethnicity and socioeconomics right inside of his church. The man had been married many, many years. <laughs> he had teenage children. I think he had one even in college or something like this. Came to the Bay Area, met someone that was his ideal sexual desire turned out to be a man, left his wife, <laughs> left his wife, got excommunicated from the church. I mean, the other pastors begged him to repent. They went to him, who were friends, begged him repeatedly to repent. Would you repent? Go back to your wife. Go back to your calling. And he refused. <laughs> And there are still stories I hear of the brothers who, who know him, the other leaders, pastors who know him. Occasionally, at times, he will come, he will go to a church. But he's never returned to his wife. And as far as I know, he's still with his gay lover. Why? Because he has a right to be happy. That's our culture. Right? If even a godly pastor with depths, I mean, I, I, I think about this. <laughs> My theology's good. I, I have some measure of godliness, and as much as I'd like, right? I don't think I'm immune from this, and one of the ways I fight this is 
I, mm, I tell myself truths from the word, real truth, not lies, because these are things. You have, your, you have your, your heart says, I want this, I deserve to have this, I should get this, and um, our, our culture, you know, this is why, why we, we, we break our promises. Um, we, it's even right into the way we do work. This isn't entirely a bad thing that you leave a, a dysfunctional job, but there are plenty of people who, who make promises to the, the you know, you, you get to a certain level in your, and then you make promises to the people who are below you. I'm going to be here, and we're going to work really hard, and we're going to charge this hill, and we're going to run this project, and our company's going to um, get to another level, and then somebody else comes along and offers you a better deal, and you're like, sorry, deal. sorry dudes, I'm gone, you know? And, in, and we're more accepting of that because, you know, this is, we're, we're a very free agent society. But um, we, we believe in that. We think it's even acceptable to do that to your wife, to your kids. Um, and you wonder the, the, the devastation and wreckage it leaves behind. I mean, that church imploded. The church I just told you about, that, that church isn't around anymore. Even though it was beginning to become one of the most beautiful churches in the Bay Area. Isn't that terrible? Now, I want to say, um, uh, last week I gave you a quote. If you were here last week, uh, and, I, and this is a, it was one, it's a quote that really sticks to me, and that's why I hope it will become sticky to you. I, I, I read in a book called Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey is a great Christian author. He's not as famous now. His books were best-selling books. Um, used to be um, an editor at Christianity Today. And he wrote this book many years ago called Disappointment with God. And, there's this, and the, one of the most memorable things that I got out of that book was there are two tragedies in life. <laughs> Not getting what you want. You want to know what the other side is? And getting what you want. <laughs> Not getting what you want. There are two tragedies in life. Not getting what you want. And getting what you want. And um, you don't believe it, do you? That you can get what you want, that you, the thing that you think, if I have this, then I will be happy. But one of the things I want to tell you is if you want real wisdom from God, it's not true. That's not true. Real happiness lies somewhere else. Not just in getting what you want, especially on your terms in a very worldly way. And um, to illustrate this, I want to share with you a little excerpt from an article. It just came out last week. Um, anybody get ESP in the magazine? I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I guess nobody gets, gets that magazine. I get it, okay? <laughs> all right. Um, um, nowadays, nobody like subscribes to magazines. I mean, people, write, there's all these great content. And this, the, the actual, you know, the old primitive thing called paper, it actually shows up at my house, you know. Um, but you can find this article online. And um, ESPN Magazine did, did a fantastic story on Aaron Rodgers. You know, this is an NFL football season. And Aaron Rodgers, for those of you who are not football fans, is one of the greatest quarterbacks in football. Okay? I just overpaid in my fantasy draft to get him. <laughs> okay? I mean, I just, like, the, the, the bidding just went up and up and up, and I just kept going, I'm getting Aaron Rodgers. I just kept clicking bid, 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 and I got him. Yes. Okay? But, um... Their article is called The Search for Aaron Rodgers. And here's the subtitle. Um, Winning isn't everything. Winning isn't everything. After Super Bowl, I've got to remember my Roman numerals here, 45, okay? 45 XLV, 45. Green Bay's hero quarterback has been on a journey to find out what is. See, winning isn't everything. So, um, 
So here it goes. Uh, Mina Kimes wrote this. Uh, she's actually a very terrific writer. Um, after the game, Aaron Rodgers got on the bus. It was unusually cold in Arlington during the week leading up to Super Bowl 45. So I don't know if you remember Super Bowl 45. That, that, by the way, I mean, we forget things like, just like it was yesterday. <laughs> but this is just a few years ago, OK? A winter storm had barreled into Texas. So I don't know if you guys know, you know Dallas has this monster stadium, which is probably the best stadium there is, right? for football anyway. And um, the Super Bowl was held there. So they apparently had a, a strange winter storm there. So it was blanketing Cowboy Stadium with so much snow that slabs of ice cascaded from the roof, which is very strange. It's as strange as the weather we've had here. When the game against the Steelers ended, so, sorry, Young. <laughs> just, um, he, he's a Steelers fan. Just, just, I felt apologetic that I was going to have to remind him of bad memories here, OK? Um, the team was showered with confetti. Then the players trudged down to the bus. So if you don't know, Green Bay beat the Steelers in that game. Right? Where they sat for a while in the bowels of the stadium before heading back to their hotel. Someone brought the Vince Lombardi trophy. That's, that's the prize, OK? On board, and the players pass it around like a collection plate, each taking a moment to palm the sterling silver. As his teammates chatted away, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, sat and listened and thought about the plays he had made that night. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 304 yards. For those of you who didn't watch that game, he was awesome. And just, just quick back. Um, I remember, I don't remember the game. You know what I remember? I remember the playoffs. And I watched Aaron Rodgers during that, that season in the playoffs. And you know what? He played like a man possessed. And I would say is one of the greatest spectacular plays of any quarterback ever of all time. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. Go back and watch the playoffs. He, he, is, he was as good as Joe Montana. <laughs> he was as good as, uh, I mean, Brett Favre. I mean, you name it, the man, he, they didn't just win. He was like a one-man wrecking crew, like, like gigantic men would chase him down. Just before they were about to track him, he would do crazy things. He would like flick his arm like this, and the ball would fly 30 and right on the dime onto, this, onto his receiver. And he would catch the ball. and, and just completely demoralized. I mean, he did stuff like that regularly in that plot. It was insane. So they didn't just win the Super Bowl. If there was any time you could say this, Aaron Rodgers won Super Bowl. Not just his team, he won it. And he deserved, he deserved everything, all right, of his success. Okay? The bus rolled along, and he ran it all back in his mind. Then press rewind and visualize his entire career, retracing the steps he had taken from Chico, California to Arlington, from beleaguered backup to Super Bowl. So if you don't know, he, he had a tough road to get there. And I won't go into all of it, but he, had a, he, he wasn't ever supposed to get to this place, OK? As he reflected on the sacrifices and the slights, he wondered whether it was all worth it. And then he felt something unexpected. Not regret, not fulfillment, but a different sensation, like a space had opened inside of him. And I want you to remember that. A space had opened inside of him. 
He thought about life and football and everything he had invested in his sport, and a jarring realization sprang into his mind. I hope I don't just do this. That's the way the article opens. I hope I don't just do this. And the rest of the article talks about actually his spiritual odyssey. He came from a devout Christian family. And then he met a heretical pastor, a guy who doesn't, you know, who disagrees with key gospel tenets in the Bible. And then he was led astray by that pastor. And he actually, I, 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 can't, I don't think you can say he was led astray. He embraced that pastor. And now, but he's still searching. There are two tragedies in life, not getting what you want and getting what you want. And think about it. This guy's famous. He's good looking. He's um, now getting into the tabloids because, you know, hot Hollywood, you know, um, women are wanted. Uh, he's dated hot Hollywood women, um, you know, and now he's upset because, you know, everybody's talking about it. He's gotten to the very top of his profession. And I hope I don't just do this. Disappointment, disappointing happiness of this world. Let's go to part two. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Um, so this is in the middle of a, of a, of a really astonishing um, passage. And it's about Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I can't explicate all this, but this is kind of the portion that is especially relevant to today's topic. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is verse 9. Abide in my love. So live in my love. Live in me. Live in it. Abide means to walk. Abide means to like just live, but it's like walk and live. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let me just stop there for a second. Christians, <laughs> brothers and sisters, for those of you who identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and believe in the gospel, do you want to know the secret? So now, so, okay, well, actually, let's, let's, let's read this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you want to know the secret to happiness? Okay, joy. That's, that's the promise. I told you these things so that not just your joy, the joy that you think you're going to have, but my joy. It's, it's, it's God's joy. The joy that he has from the Father will be in you and that your joy will be full. I mean, it kind of, doesn't that kind of sound like the James passage? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And he goes on to say this. So, so what's the secret? It's, it's right there. So don't ever say that the Bible doesn't tell you how to be happy. Jesus said, said very explicitly. Here it is. If you abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Keep the commandments of Jesus and abide in his love. Didn't I tell you at the beginning? that actually happiness is not apart from our obligations, but it's actually in them. Our obligations, if you know Jesus, is to actually follow him, obey him. Most of us hear somebody's commandments are like, okay, come you know what? We have to go find happiness in what I want. And then we think we have a right to go pursue these things, but 
but you know what we need to do is just okay. He's my boss. I, I have to do what he says. Oh, you know, like I, I find this happening with my kids, especially my teenage ones. You know, but my older two. You know, I, I, I tell them something which I know to be a really good piece of wisdom, and they go, yeah, yeah, that, okay, and then they do it. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. What? You, parents, can you relate? Yeah, it's it's just super annoying. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, oh gosh, I wish I could just like crack your head open and like shove this wisdom inside you, but like, I was like, you're just just a pretty good Pharisaic or legalist son of the son of the pastor, daughter of the pastor, okay? Um, and because they haven't figured out that. When I tell them this thing, am I telling this thing because I have an agenda? Like, I got to make you do what I want to do because I'm the powerful person inside of here and you have to just, you know, follow me because I rule this roost? No, because I love them. And this thing I tell them to do, if they walk in it, they will walk in the love that I'm giving them. You see, I'm not, they're not walking just in a command. They're walking in my love. But because they don't get, they they actually don't see it as love, and they don't believe it as love. In other words, they like faith in their dad, <laughs> which is, they have some reason. I mean, there's some justification for it, because I, I fail this too. They don't follow. You want to know where the, the joy is? It's abiding in the love through obeying the command. <laughs> That's what it is. Abiding in the love through obeying Jesus. Like a son. <laughs> Jesus obeys his father like a son who utterly trusts his father's love. We obey him like a son. Now, in order to do the second part, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crib. Okay. Um, a number of you went to the retreat that we just went to a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Was it two weeks ago? Man, it seems like a long time ago. <laughs> That's how like, intense life is here. Um, two weeks ago, we went to this fantastic retreat. The theme of the retreat was Enduring Joy. Our speaker was Pastor Min Joshua Chung, lead pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And um, this part blessed me so much <laughs> that I'm going to just crib from him and tell it to you all over again. And if you didn't go to the retreat, I, I strongly urge you to listen to sermon number two of that. Of that. And it's on our website. It's on YouTube. You can go find it on YouTube. You know, you could just, you know, search YouTube, Sounds like New Hope, The Christian's Joy, Min Chung, so whatever, okay? <laughs> It'll all come up, all right? But here's what Pastor Min taught. And really, he just taught this. I mean, he didn't, t he taught it from a different passage, but he basically taught John 15. And really what he, he said, he gave us um, a biblical psychology of happiness. Actually, he said, so he says, what is emotion? This is what he said. What actually is emotion? So, by the way, he did a D-min doctoral thesis on this. So he studied the Bible like crazy. He studied the psychology. And then, and then in astoundingly, this is when a man is this deep. He can do it concisely. He can do it simply, and he can just give it to you like this. And I sat there. I mean, I was just blown away. In 20 minutes, he gave us a really profound biblical psychology of happiness. And here's how he did it. So what is emotion? Emotion is the reaction. It's always a reaction to whether your heart's desire gets what it wants or not. Your desires get what's what it wants or not. So you have, your heart has desires. If it's fulfilled, 
you, so you get a, a positive emotion. If it is denied, you get a negative emotion. So he called it, he just called it pleasure, happy pleasure, pleasure emotion, or pain. So he simplified it. I mean, super simplified. There's pleasure, happy, pain, sad, or angry, or disappointed, you, you, whatever it is, right? But most of us think that there's just happy, and then there's sad. But actually, he taught us there's actually four versions. There's, there's, there's two types. There's a happy and sad in yourself with no Christ. Happy in yourself, or sad, or angry, or disappointed in yourself. Pleasure in yourself, sad, or disappointed in yourself. Or there's a whole other version. There is a happy in Christ. Abiding. See it? There's a happy in Christ, and there may be even sadness in Christ. Sadness or disappointment, that, that's, that's possible too. And, you know, and, he, and then in the next, and then in that 20 minutes, he taught us the secret of how to have a really, what he calls, he, he, he's the word, prevailing joy. How to have a joy. So most of us were born only into ourself. By the way, the Bible has different words for it. In Adam, in the flesh, in Christ, through the Holy Spirit. You know, or just to use secular language, in my own self, with my own rights. So the only one we know is this one, the one in Adam, the one in the flesh, the one that's all about me. So that's the one that we habitually use all the time. i got to be happy, i got to be happy. And then all the things that we know makes me happy. Some of you, it's haagen ice cream, like me. <laughs> Some of you, it's a certain kind of pornography. <laughs> Some of you, it's like, you know, going down to the store and getting the perfect dress and the perfect manicure. And then for some of you, it's getting the perfect dress, but 50% off. It's that 50% off. Yes! Okay? <laughs> if the dress is good, but the 50% off with the extra 5% little. Okay? You know, so that's, that's all it is. But whatever. So you go searching for these little, these little things. But do you notice whether it's the dress that's 50% off that's perfect, you have the same thing that happens as Aaron Rodgers. You're looking at the girl that is like the perfect sexual, you know, you know, fantasy. After it's over, it fulfills the same way as the Super Bowl does. <laughs> when you've been the greatest quarterback on the greatest quarterback run <laughs> that rivals all quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, I hope this, I don't just do this. Because that's, and that's what Pastor Man was teaching us, that if all you know is fleshly happiness, and then that fleshly disappointment this is all you're going to have. What you really want to have, if you want real joy, is you got to go to the other one. There's a in Christ joy, in Christ disappointment, in Christ sadness. I know that sounds kind of weird that there can be sadness in Christ. It, it, there can be. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's in Christ. So Jesus can command his, uh, his, his followers to go do something that they'll be like, oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, that's going to make me sad. Oh, I'm not sure I can handle that. Has that ever happened to you? Have, you, have you, any of you a follower of Jesus? Has that ever happened to you? Where Jesus commands you to do something, you're like, oh, it's happened. And it leads you to a place you're like, oh, this is a hard place. But here's the thing that Pastor Min taught us. 
If it's from Him, it's love. If it's from Him, it's love. And then the more you dwell on who you are in Him, and then the more you, you dwell on Him, the more you dwell on Him. And, you, you, and He even said this, at the beginning, you have a desire to follow Christ, and you don't have much happiness. You, just, he goes, you can have emotionless desire. That's the way you put it. It's like emotionless, but if you, if you have emotionless desire and you try to, you're still loving Christ. You're still believing, you're still practicing, even though it feels like a slim and a weak faith, you're still practicing faith in Christ. You're putting your identity in Christ. You're putting yourself into abiding in him. And you know what that does? Oh, that makes him so pleased. And he'll give you more of himself and more of himself. And you'll begin to taste this really alien and strange. I mean, it's alien because most of us only know this one. Oh, okay, and then oh, that's it. Oh, okay, that's it. But we don't know this one. Oh, and it gets better. Oh, and oh, and the people who do that, then over time, these things start to get less and less. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something personal before I go to the close of my message. One of the reasons why I asked um, Pastor Min to be our speaker was partly because it was personal, personal to me. There's something I wanted. <laughs> the man has a secret that you rarely meet. His secret, I call it holiness. <laughs> if you hang out with Pastor Man or see him or listen to him, he's just on a whole nother level of being a human being, <laughs> okay? He's just on another level of being a human being. And you know where it shows? In his joy. That's where it shows. And so when I listen to him, I listen to a lot of pastors, um, and, and I've met a lot of different people, and every, there's only like a few people that I've ever met are like this, and he's one of them. Literally, there's like maybe like three or four in, that I personally met, and he's one of them. He's the only one that can preach. <laughs> so I was like, maybe he'll go there, and we'll get the secret. And, and then in sermon number two, I felt like, that's your secret. Yes, I started getting so happy. <laughs> but let me tell you the other part of it, too. He realizes in order for you to grow in this kind of joy, you have to shrink and starve the fleshly. This part's got to die. So he teaches self-denial. And he goes, if anyone will come after me, you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow. You know what that is? Obey the command of Jesus. John chapter 15. The other part is denial. In our culture, super alien. <laughs> super alien. It's just as alien as James chapter 1, take it joy for your sufferings. Usually when we're suffering, we're just angry and we're depressed, and then we got to go self-medicate, and then we're going to go find the fleshly thing that's going to make me feel all better. But actually, that's just, that's, that's, this is, this is going to end up in death. The happiness is not going to be much of happiness. And you're going to just keep going back. And you wonder why there's a lot of depression and despair in our society. But on the other one is, even when it hurts and even when it's low, there will be an abiding love. Now, let me close my sermon. I'm not a person that's good at self-denial. I mean, I'll tell you, 
I'm not saying you all have to do this, but the way Pastor Min does it is he fasts. He's crazy. He fasts two days a week without water. When he does that, I'm like, you crazy. Okay, you can keep doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I'll do one. I'll, I'll do one day with water. You know, I hate fasting. I absolutely hate it. I just cannot tell you how much I hate it. He actually says he hates it too. But you know why I'm, I'm willing to do it? Because this part has to die so that this part can be, I can get this. Big, this can be bigger, bigger. This can get shrink or shrink. That's, that's, that's the secret. Now, let me close the message. You know why this world sucks and it's so terrible inside? <laughs> your heart, your heart is like, is like a bowl. It's like this thing. And Pastor Min, he, uses the, he likes to actually checks the picture of a bowl. It's, I, it's worse than a bowl. It's a chasm. <laughs> you know how, how much that chasm is? Let me tell you how deep that chasm is. It's infinite. You and I, your heart, have an infinite chasm. You know why? Because we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God, and you know that God is a holy trinity. And you know what they do? Each of them receive an infinite love from the other two. The son receives, this is John chapter 15. He receives an infinite love from the Father, and thus he obeys his commands, and then he abides in that love. And that's why we tend to think of God, he's like this kind of fuddy-duddy up there, and he's like just ruling the universe with his like, you know, weird arbitrary rules. Actually, he's not. He's actually a lot of fun. He's so happy. He's joyful. He's like Pastor Man holiness infinitely. <laughs> I mean, I love hanging out with Pastor Man because he's like, He's happier, <laughs> he's gentler, he's like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So he's all those things. It's Don't you want to be around someone who has all of those things? He's all those things. I mean, really, I'm crazy. I hung out hours with him. I, I, kept, I kept waiting for him to like have his, like something that I would be, like, like a little bit of, that's the part where he's a jerk. <laughs> there it is. I saw the evidence. Didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. I was like, still pretty holy. <laughs> That's what holiness looks like. And if you're made in the image of God for that, the Holy Trinity, you have, God gave us not a heart that could be satisfied with the Super Bowl. A heart, because then that would mean your heart would have like a bottom. We're made in the infinite for the greatest gift there is. God himself through his love. So your heart has an infinite chasm to receive an infinite joy from an infinite God. And if we go into the world through our flesh with our little schemes, I'm feeling low, so now let's go to get that sale, then you're, you're putting a dress <laughs> or porn into an infinite hole, and you're going to drop it into an infinite hole, and you're going to be, it's going to say, go down into an infinite hole, and you'll never ever see it again, and you'll go, oh, just like what Aaron Rodgers, did you notice how, how the article put it? I don't think she realized, I don't know if she's a Christian, she says, and then a space opened up inside of him, and then he had this thing where he said, and I hope I don't just do this, because there's a space that's going to open up, and guess what? 
There's only one person that could fill that space. And he came. He came because, and he knows. He forgives us. He shed his blood to wash us of all those idols that we're trying to stick into our heart to replace him. And then he died for us so that he gives a new self to live and abide in this. So he can come. So because God came, he made our heart this way so he can come and live in it. And if God can't live in a cramped space crowded out by money or worldly success, he's like, no, no, this isn't good enough for you. The only thing that's good enough for you because I love you is myself. So brothers and sisters, you abide in Christ, including being willing to even take joy in trials and keep seeking him and keep seeking him, keep going to him and keep receiving of him, keep receiving of him. And we'll have joy. Let's go to the table of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're going to eat bread and drink wine. Pastor Min taught us from John chapter 2 that wine symbolizes your joy. The cup of Christ, which is your blood to wash us of our sin, but it is the wine of your joy. And we're going to eat bread, which signifies you, your very self that we are to take into ourself. It is a very picture that your bread, which is your body, which is you, needs to go inside of us because only an infinite God can go into an infinite chasm of infinite hunger until it is made full and you make our hearts overflow. It isn't just full of your joy, we would overflow of your love and your joy. And so give us repentance. Give us a fight. This other thing that Pastor Min likes to talk about, a fight. And he's talking about a fight inside. A fight against the flesh, against the self, my rights, and all about trying to fulfill the self through the self. Instead, it's about denying the self, the fight against the self, so we can have a new self filled with you. So we go to the table now. Give us a fight, a repentance, a fight for the deepest joy there is, having you. In Jesus' name.